Hello everyone and welcome to The Phantom Zone, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy. If you like what you hear today, you can listen to our other episodes and a whole range of nerdy podcasts now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. My name is Chris Buick and I'm joined once again by friend and fellow nerd, the one and only Toby. How are you, Toby? Hello there. I'm very good, thank you. You doing well? Yes, not bad. Bank holiday weekend. It's been nice. How's yours been? It's a treat. It's a treat. I just got, uh, on Friday, Jedi Survivor came out. Nice. So nice. I know I was playing Resident Evils, but it's a Star Wars game, so everything's been put on the back burner. Social life, everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was playing. I was playing it till three o'clock yesterday, and I was like, "Oh my god, I need to go to bed." Yeah. As soon as I saw it come out, I was like, "Well, that's a shoe in for Toby right there." Um, oh, it's but, so good. It's yeah, so good. I, I, I'm, I'm also playing Resident Evil Four. We both are. I think we're both <laughs> racing to the finish on that one. Although I think you're going to be <laughs> slightly behind me now. Yeah, I'm just going to have a Jedi survivor gap in my yeah. uh, Resident Evil playing time. Yeah, um, but I'm nearly finished Resident Evil Four, and I actually hadn't. I, I played a bit of Fallen Order, but I hadn't got into it. I think I got distracted by something else when it came out. But I've reinstalled Fallen Order on my PlayStation now, and I will play that before definitely diving into survivor at some point it's oh you have to it it, it, um, it looks fantastic i mean it's, it's amazing it takes everything that was good in survivor and just blows it up you know it just expands upon it it's it's a fantastic game but that's not why we're here because i could talk about this all day that is not why we're here i mean as much as we like to nerd about star wars obviously we are here to nerd about something we are pretty familiar with as well and you know we've spoken <laughs> about it on the podcast because we are on brand our other, is, nerd love. our other nerd love is a, a man dressed all in tight rubber black hold on sorry wrong okay <laughs> um <laughs> wrong podcast no i'm joking it's um it's it's Batman, obviously. We're back with Batman. Um, we're here to carry on with our, I guess, our what's becoming a series of us talking about the animated films of the Batman universe, the DC animated universe. Um, so we spoke about the doom that came to Gotham yep. uh, a couple of weeks ago. We're now here to talk about probably one of the more most significant um, in the animated films is The Dark Knight Returns, which is a two-parter. So parts one two loosely based on the uh frank miller novel of the same name which was released in 80 1986 i think it was roughly uh, it was 86 st- yeah yeah so oh look at me look at me doing research and forgetting it um now, now which month <laughs> uh, uh, <June? laughs> I, I need know. to know i need to know now where was it uh, i don't know anyway we'll 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 get we'll get to that um but yes we'll we'll be getting into that really getting into part one first we will be doing an episode on part two later um there's a lot to cover in these two parts we wanted to do them justice we're going to split these out of two episodes so we will be focusing primarily on part one today however before we get into that we have as always our nerd news now we're sticking with DC first of all because this is super exciting. Which we've we've gone full circle. We've gone one eighty on this film completely. I think yes. when it first was announced, the first was all this stuff came out, but the new trailer for the Flash movie. Oh, oh, my, oh my god! Oh, oh, suit you, sir. Oh, oh man. suit you, sir. <laughs> it looks excellent. Um, it looks excellent, and it's oh man. I'm conflicted because I know we've got all the Ezra Miller baggage yeah, that comes yeah. along with I think, it. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking about this, and I think like to critique films and media, you have to kind of be objective and put that 
to one side, I think, sometimes. <laughs> because otherwise, everything will get bogged down with all that stuff, you know? Um, but yes, you're right. There is a there is baggage to this film, yeah. um, which was part of our, I guess, trepidation and warming to it in the first yes. place. But they're, they're working as hard <laughs> with these trailers, I tell you. Yeah. I think they, they, I mean, they've been going all out with the the media coverage of people's reactions you know they started with tom cruise and now they've had critics first reactions and they've all been relatively popular uh, popular positive i like how tom cruise is now the barometer for if something's good or not <laughs> <laughs> exactly if, it, if tom cruise loves it then god everyone's gonna love it let's let's not ask the let's, let's not ask filmmakers <laughs> what does tom cruise like <laughs> <laughs> he'll start coming out at winter and they'll be saying how many more winters are we going to have uh, tom cruise yeah more more buds more more like a groundhog <laughs> exactly <laughs> Tom, Tom Cruise would have been like, yeah, but I would have run that fast for real. You know, yeah, I, <laughs> I would have broken the speed force. Yeah, true. But yes, Tom Cruise has given it a seal of approval, which means a lot. Because obviously James Gunn's been saying how he thinks it's the best superhero movie ever made for yeah. for a long time now. And you're like, well, yeah, of course you'd say that, wouldn't you? I mean, we love <laughs> you, James, but you know, you're invested. My but, entire new career like hangs on the balance of whether or not people enjoy this movie. Yeah, but I think a few more of the, un, I guess, the the less invested parties are now coming and saying the same thing. And I was like, yeah. okay, interesting. Yeah. And now we have the second trailer, which purely yeah. for the Michael Keaton factor, oh, I'll yeah. give it a 10. Because, yeah. oh, so good. Well, I think the other thing is, it look, I mean, I know it's a weird thing to say, but it looks great for yeah. the film. Like, it um, just aesthetically, like all the, the visuals look really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cinematography looks really nice and clean and crisp. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think they've really sort of done away with the the dark grittiness, even mm. with sort of Batman and things. So it's yep. it just looks it looks nice. They don't have like a fuzzy filter over everything. Yeah, it looks a bit more f- fun, like it's superhero movie fun, but also yeah. has a lot of obviously there's a lot of high stakes clearly in this film. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of drama. It's a very uh, powerful emotional tense trailer you know obviously yeah. with the flashbacks to barry's parents and you know all the the destruction of what he's clearly trying to accomplish and what that actually means for the universes that he runs through i guess um yeah. there's a lot going on in this trailer and there's a lot um to be excited about but i'll go back to it mainly michael keaton coming oh, back yeah as Batman. The only uh, negative I'd say is probably going to be a negative of the film as a whole is, God damn, is that flash suit ugly. The mask is horrific and the weird sort of pseudo-organicness of the the sort of the outfit itself kind of reminds me of Green Lantern. Mm. But uh, other than that, I think it looks fantastic. I just, wanted, look- I just wanted to dig the knife in there, be that goblin again. We, we've we've been skeptical of DC for a long time, and uh, if this is the, them turning the corner, because we've said before, Flashpoint, this is the chance to reset yep. everything. This is how you make it work. If this is the starting stone for where they're going, then what a good fit to start on. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously, we, to stress, we have not seen the film yet. So, you know, obviously, there's a two-minute trailer. <laughs> they could be trolling us. It could be completely lying. But from... Everything I've heard, or we've heard, or we've seen so far, I'm quite, very, quite positive about this film. Yeah, well, we've only got to wait a month and a bit, and we'll, yeah. we'll soon find out. And to paraphrase Mr. Keaton, 
I want to get nuts. So let's get nuts. Let's get nuts. Yes. So Flash trailer is coming out in June. Uh, sorry, the Flash is coming out in June. Uh, we were, we, I think we're going to go see that day of, probably. I think. Um, so, I think that's a resounding yes. Yes. Uh, I, I know Ian and Simone will definitely be involved. So watch out for that when we come back and hopefully praise it from the ground up. Um, That'd be nice. the, that, that would be nice. It I'd really, like to be really, as hyped as we were about John Wick. Oh, good God! Yeah, that that oh. would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, if you to those listening, if you still haven't seen John Wick Chapter Four, go now. It's amazing. And then listen to our podcast. About and it. listen to our podcast about it. Absolutely. Next bit of their news: uh, we are sticking with DC and more in topic of what we're discussing today. Batman. So Amazon has obviously um, a few shows now announced. Amazon Prime Video to enter the Batman. DC animated canon. So we've obviously already got Batman Cape Crusader, which uh, is on the way, but we've also got uh, two other ones, which is one called Merry Little Batman, which seems to be a holiday themed little little nugget that they've given us. And then also yeah, that will tie in, yeah, and that will tie into Bat Family, uh, which will be a spin-off series about the Wayne family who try from the pre- from the premise I'm reading, it's them trying to keep together like a little family while saving Gotham. So it's it kind of seems like a little bit more lighthearted, maybe. Yeah, that's that seems very uh, Paw Patrol kid program type yeah. thing. I, I'm looking at the the artwork or the animation style for these uh, for Merry Little Batman. Very '90s Cartoon Network type of vibes for this yeah. one, yeah. Which I'm all for because you know loved me a bit of Cartoon Network in the '90s for sure. But um, yeah, and then obviously Cape Crusader as well. So Amazon are really stepping their foot into the um, game, which is weird because obviously Warner Brothers own HBO Max, yeah. Which or just Max now, I guess. Or just Max, which is where they put all their Batman DC content. Um, yeah. But for some reason, I've branched out. I don't know why. It's strange. It's like they've, like, HBO Max were consolidating everything under the Max, HBO Max banner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, foregoing, like, cancelling lots of other shows. Like, that Bad, were on. Bad Girl got cancelled as well. well exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then suddenly they've done, like, a big U turn on that and starting to distribute it out again. It's yeah. Cape Crusader for all intents and purposes, supposed to be cancelled. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Um, but I guess I guess this is kind of something that Amazon's done in the past. They've picked up shows that have lost homes elsewhere, you know. And true, have, true. And, you know, they've done it's well. It's odd because I thought everything was under the DC banner. You'd be have, yeah, those. exactly. You'd have thought so. But if, if it means that something like this is going to get a new life, then I'm all for it, obviously. Yeah, true. Um, Maybe a bit of Guns influence and Saffron. Yeah, exactly. And I think for Warner Brothers, DC, I guess, as a, a corporation, as an entity, it makes sense for them to have, if they can have more property out there in some form somewhere else, that means they have time to focus on other stuff where True. Amazon are distributing that. Then, um, and it's very cynical, their, their revenue stream will not be damaged by it if yeah. it's being outsourced to another company as well. So, you know, you've got that. But also, I in a, in a more, I guess, positive frame of mind thinking about why this might be is amazon have quite a good record at the minute of animation stuff on their platform so maybe they, so. yeah you know obviously they've got legend of us making stuff on there invincibles on there you know all kinds of stuff yeah you know they 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 have a quite a few properties on there so maybe they thought give it to them see what they can do with it so i guess we'll see but yeah i'm really looking forward to anything you know batman dc related and i guess we'll see what that brings us. Yes. and then our last bit in our news very small bit 
but nonetheless, um, very exciting is the first look at the new Alien movie. Yes. And by first look, we mean literally a still, which was released on Alien Day, which is a very, <laughs> I think, I think a very well done photo of a face hugger grabbing a a clapper slate. Um, yeah. Say happy Alien Day. So, um, this the ninth Alien film. God, can you believe nine Alien films? Yeah, and still only two really good ones. This is by Fede Alvarez. His Alien film. It just says it's called Alien here, um, which you know is fine. Um, they love doing that with titles, don't they? Like it's the ninth one in the series. So what are we going to do? Uh, just Alien. They did have a scream recently, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, scream five. But yeah, so this film, apparently, all we know really is rather than it be, you know, military types, you know, people coming to the planet with massive guns and stuff to blast away what they can, but ultimately fail. Uh, this will focus on a group of younger people who find themselves in confrontation with the most terrifying life form in the universe. Now, I agree with the latter part, the, yep. uh, the xenomorph for me, is up there with one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in a film. But what do we think? Obviously, are you? how do we feel about the Alien franchise? Obviously, I think we're fans of that. So, about a ninth one, are we yeah. still Are we still there for it? Yeah, I mean... Because Covenant, yeah. Prometheus, I'll, they kind of... I'll give everything a go. Like, i I, I got to say, I am one of the few people that kind of liked Prometheus and Covenant. I know they weren't good movies, and I, I'm jumping onto the defense immediately because I can sense that people will be like, what? That crap? And I've had this discussion with Ian numerous times. By the way, his ranking system is Alien vs. Predator is his top 10 films, 1 through 10. That is a quotable fact it from It is quotable, Ian. and it is on, I believe we said it on this podcast as well. So, yeah. yes. <laughs> so I will leave his alien opinion in the dust. But um, no, I, I'm not a huge defender, but I have enjoyed qualities of Prometheus and Covenant. I liked the kind concept of what they were trying to do, the execution that sort of fell apart with them. But I've always liked the Alien movies. Like, yeah. Even the bad ones are fun. Yeah, even the bad ones are fun. And I would say that, yes, you know, Prometheus and Covenant, those two films, just it got caught up in its own mythos way too much and, you know, tried to be too philosophical about the whole thing yeah. it's like no that's not what aliens about you know well, i have had the Rid- ridley scott sort of factor in because it seems like he's well again um sort of jump back to ian is ian has this rule about five bad films and you're out yeah he does yeah and Rid- Rid- and i've i've always quite enjoyed that concept and ridley scott is definitely outside of his bracket of his five bad films so he should probably take a take a rain check for a while yeah one of the first conversations i had with ian was about that but uh and you know what it's at a point and even filmmakers like tarantino say it like you know you gotta get out before you start phoning it in i guess yeah. to a degree which is why he's it just seems like he's kind of lost i mean i don't want to just crap on him but it it just seems like a, he's got some good concepts that i think would be better off using his ability to produce and maybe back and give some ideas to but actually to just take a step back and let the other creatives take that a little bit further because i don't know i think he's getting stifled by his own supposed quote-unquote genius he is on the producing team for this obviously and he always will be because his production company is doing it and alien is his thing which you know i i'm fine with but yeah i agree with you giving the reins to you know 
fresher minds, I guess, on the whole franchise to give it a fresher perspective just seems like the right way to go. And that's true, I think, with anything. You know, you need to just sometimes hand it over and let someone else have a go at it. So um, I'm all for it. Alien, for me, has always had a a great place in my heart. I remember watching this film when I was way too young, really early, and just think, thanks, mum. Which did you watch first? Did you watch Predator or did you watch Alien first? Alien first. Predator I came to a bit later. but um, Uh, See, I went the other way. I think my dad was uh, far more into Predator, which sort of bled into me. So then I saw uh, Predator first uh, at the ripe old age of like nine or ten. And it just changed me forever. I was like, I love mini guns. Both great films in their own exactly. right. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, as said, Alien versus Predator is Ian's top 10 films, one through 10. Yeah, one through 10. One, that's canon. You can take that to the bank. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, there's a new video game coming out as well, Dark Descent, which yep. is coming out. Obviously, and Alien. The TV show at some t- point. TV show. There's a whole bunch of Alien properties coming out. Alien Isolation as a video game was fantastic. Brilliant game. Jeez, it took me so long to get through that game. I walked so slow through that whole game. <laughs> <laughs> took an hour to walk 10 feet. It was crazy. But yeah, Alien. Hopefully, it's going to be good because there's a lot in there that's great in that world, in that universe. So maybe it'll be good and we'll see fingers crossed fingers crossed indeed so that's it for our nerd news we are now here for our main event which as i mentioned before brings us back to the dc animated movie universe uh we are here to talk about batman the dark knight returns part one which is the oh yeah oh yeah which is the 11th animated film in the batman animated film series it is based loosely on frank miller's 1986 story arc of the same name the basic premise of this is after the death of his protege jason todd bruce wayne hangs up the cape and puts the cowl away and essentially retires batman 10 years later gotham being being the problem town that it is uh finds itself overrun by a group of criminals known as the mutants mutants thank you very much forcing bruce wayne to come out of retirement in an effort to put an end to them so in this we get obviously a much older bruce wayne a much older batman obviously he's been retired i think when he comes back he's 55 years old i don't think we've had a live action film that's kind of portrayed this kind of thing you know we haven't seen batman in 10 years at this point uh even commissioner gordon's about to retire so we're we're very much kind of old man logan-esque but with bruce yeah. wayne where we're well, they tried to do that with dark knight rises didn't they but it, it didn't quite hit the mark yeah it only been two years and also christian bale doesn't look 55 so no, you know, no. well they give, they give him that little wisp of gray hair and like a, a sort of give up goatee but yeah it didn't, ex- <laughs> it didn't ex- quite resonate plus he'd only been batman for like two years yeah exactly there was there was a lot happened in that trilogy very quickly so you yeah know, it's hard to believe that you know suddenly he's retired you know it's like you've barely worked um, yeah. <laughs> well he is a billionaire so maybe he's just got this, like that that realistic mindset yeah he's like the guys who sell a startup really early and just yeah. out first. <laughs> like, like oh get out, get out while you're ahead i, I retired i retired at 36 like oh fuck off yeah. <laughs> well obviously we spoke of we spoke about um, the doom that came to Gotham a couple of weeks ago, which was more of a Lovecraftian, I guess, heightened fantasy-esque type Batman yep. kind of world. And this is a lot more grounded in the Batman world that obviously we know, but a lot more people would know in terms of its references and its world yeah. and a lot more of the familiar Batman canon. Um, so we're going to get into part one. What do we think? I think it's a fantastic film. Um, one of my favorite I I always see part one and part two as a whole in terms of my overall appreciation of them. But part one had to get me invested to watch part two. 
and I think it did that in spades. This is actually DC have, as I've always said, had a really good run of DC animated movies, but uh, they had a little bit of a lull. There was a little bit of a gap where some of them weren't quite hitting the mark and some of them weren't quite as great. And this one sort of really ramped it up. And I thought the overall direction of this, the actors, particularly Peter Weller in part one stood out. Yeah. And uh, I thought the the actual animation style, the the the, the, the actual uh, design style of the characters really stood out for me. And whilst I know The Dark Knight Returns has always been a very synonymous and overhyped, let's say, graphic novel, it's never been one of my favorites. It's been a very good story, but it's never been one of my favorites. And this animated movie sort of brought me back around to, to really, really liking the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a sort of good sign of where the actual adaptation can really inspire you to really like the graphic novel again. I thought that was great. Yeah, it's rare that that kind of thing would happen where you would, something based off a source material would then bring you back around on that source material. Usually, yeah. usually the source material is gospel and anything off that is can can be great but not that doesn't have a patch on the source material whereas i think you're right in this case you do have a a much deeper appreciation because it is loosely based on the graphic novel this isn't a shot a frame by frame you know although there's quite a lot that's very very close to and tight to uh the original adaptation yeah and i think and and i think it needs that because it has to wear its influences on its sleeve a little bit and it needs to have that kind of homage to where it came yeah. from. Because I think, if anything, other than it being respectful, the, the graphic novel does have, a, at its very core, a very unique and great story. While yes. it's, you know, maybe not quite as polished, I guess would be the way to say it. But I yeah. think what this does is it takes that core story and makes you realize like that is the essence of the graphic novel. And I yeah. agree. I think this part one, I think it's fantastic. I really enjoyed getting back into, I guess, um, a lore of Batman that I kind of really haven't gone into in a long time because of, you know, like things like new 52 and stuff that I'm reading, yeah. you know, going back to eighties, Batman classic Frank Miller, era batman is you know it's refreshing and it has a lot of that in this film and that's what i really like about it it doesn't it obviously updates that this film came out in 2015 i think yep. or 13 yep. um but it doesn't completely try and upgrade it to modern day it really wears a lot of like i say the influences of the novel in it it could have very easily updated it to that time but it doesn't um so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's definitely one of the stronger animated movies in the Batman canon. Um yep. got other classics like Mask of the Phantasm, which isn't in this canon, but you know, Batman animated films. That's still peak. It's still peak, but still this peak. this is this is definitely up there. Um yeah. with that. Um Well, I think what this does really well is it, I think and it it's probably a based on the fact they gave it part one and part two, mm. is they allowed it to breathe. So the quieter moments, particularly in the beginning where Batman or Bruce Wayne is, you know, he's reconnecting with Commissioner Gordon. They're celebrating uh, however many, like the the anniversary of when sort of they they both kind of retired Mm -hmm. and they're reminiscing where 
Oh, you know, you know, all those parties and things you used to go to, you were such a good actor because you were just drinking ginger beer. It's interesting seeing you now drinking real alcohol. Yeah. Um, so little bits like that and scenes with Alfred and him going around uh, Gotham City, seeing the mutants, you know, slice and dice. Slice and dice. Oh, slice and yeah, dice. I made a note of that. Slice and dice. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, there's, there's, that's so Frank Miller. There's bits and pieces um like that, that I guess if they were given a conventional animated movies runtime, uh, you'd probably either skip over or do so like poorly in yeah. execution yeah. that you'd just sort of glaze over it. And it, yeah, I think it's... this one's strength is that they do allow both parts to have the space to breathe. Yeah, exactly. They've, they, that was going to say they've got room to breathe. They've got room to really make the characters feel complete. You know the 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 scene you're talking about there with Gordon and Bruce drinking really adds it just adds layers really efficiently to yeah. both those characters. But in a really, it it doesn't take twenty minutes to do that. It just shows you that you know time a time has passed. B it's taken its toll on both of them, and they are not the same people they were when they clearly started out with their mission statement. Um, no. Plus, it also shows that Gordon kind of worries new who Bruce was, which yeah. adds another layer to him. Exactly, yeah. And because obviously a lot, of the, a lot of the time in canon and, you know, I guess the mainstream Batman, there's always this intent, this thought that no one knows who Bruce is. But realistically, in in I guess, and it's been played out through comics as well, it's like people will have an inkling because, yeah. you know, the Guardian's not an idiot. You know, Gordon is a de- very good yeah. like detective. You know, he's gonna fit two and two together. He's never seen Bruce and Batman in the same room. Bruce is always left when Batman turns up. You know, it's kind of he's gonna figure that out in someone. Well, and we've seen that. Obviously, we've read that and we've seen that happen before. But it does add a different dynamic to their relationship. Um, yeah. It still, I like how it still has the, I guess the bravado that Bruce always has um, as Batman. Yes. He's still cocky, even though he's in his older age. He hasn't mellowed in that sense. Yeah. He just, he's still stoic. He's still, he's still Bruce Wayne. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's a lot is said in that, in that scene and a lot sets it up and it, and then because it's done so well, it allows for some of the other action bits, slice and dice to like, to be a bit more fun. So with the mutant gang sort of taking over Gotham and becoming more and more and more of a problem, we see the return of Batman and I like how it's not in that, you know, and you know, that scene in the Incredibles where Mr. Incredible puts his suit back on after so many years. I was like, (laughs) part of me was thinking, is it going to be like that? Where he's like, Oh, can I get these on quite as much? Cause he's a big guy now. He's obviously on, he's put on a bit of, you know, timber in his older age but he's you know an absolute sherman tank of a human being but when he comes back oh good god he's still intimidating even in his yeah. mid 50s i love that whole sequence when he comes back i don't know about you yeah well i th- what where the th- he's initially chases that gang and the yeah. police car's like oh you're in for a show you're tonight. in for a show tonight yeah. yeah like that that hyped me up so much because i think something through part one and part two that really re- like i think amplified this film was uh, Christopher Drake's soundtrack. Yes. Because it's sort of a, a combo of sort of synth music and like your classical orchestral sort of music. Um, and the synth sort of vibe is, I guess, from the, the 80s to when the original story came out, which a lot of the influences are sort of there in terms of sort of style and design elements. So I think that was a quite a nice little layer. But when it really, like when the score hits, 
and it's that sweeping sort of action scene. Um, I really ramps it up, and him initially doing the sort of the iconic pose in the lightning yeah. as he jumps off the rooftop. I was so all there for that, and it, that that transpired so great from um, set piece and comic to animated part of the movie. I thought that's fantastic. I agree. I think the soundtrack you mentioned, for example, for Christopher Drake is is phenomenal in this in this film. It's it really hits all the cues perfectly well. It really yeah. really emphasizes every moment, whether it's a slower moment like Gordon and Bruce in the you know in the bar or it's something more action packed like you say where he's chasing down those criminals. Between that and direction and the way this film looks, it's so theatrical in how it yeah. looks. Like for an animated film and I don't want to I don't mean that in a you know a patronizing way, but you know it's it's sometimes it's hard to get across something you would see in like a live action cinema. Yeah. But yeah. this kind of really packs that same kind of punch. Like you're watching it thinking this is a film. This isn't a yeah. cartoon as such, you know, and I think a lot of that goes down to how well put together and from a filmmaking aspect it is soundtrack the way it looks the color the animation's fantastic yeah i think they, they do a really fantastic job but yeah that whole sequence there where he's chasing the bad guys down the yeah. cop you've obviously got the rookie cop there who's like who hasn't seen batman because it's been <laughs> 10 years and it's you like just broke that guy's leg and he's like because he's the guy he's the he's the other part of us who knows that what batman does isn't you know completely on the level and yeah. you know he realistically wouldn't fly in today's society he yeah. and you need that balance because there is a ridiculousness to batman yeah and you need that balance to say like hold on this guy's uh, this guy's insane he's yeah. just going, he's just <laughs> running around in a cape breaking bad guys legs um but i i love i love batman's retur- re- report to, uh, report to that reply to that which is like he's young he'll walk he'll again, walk again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like and you know he will because batman knows his stuff but uh, yes <laughs> i've broken just the right amount of his legs yeah because he does that batman when you're reading comics or stuff he'll narrate what he's doing and he goes right i'll i'll, I'll fight him here and i'll hit him here so this will take him out or it'll wind him for x number of minutes and he's very yeah. calculated in how he does what he does he doesn't just beat people up he beats yeah them up it's like that way. scene in sherlock where he's like oh i'll slap him in the ear and it's discombobulate exactly Time of recovery 34 weeks yeah exactly so he knows what he's doing but obviously i think they get the balance right of the yeah. the crazy fantasy side of it and then the real world stuff which yeah. i guess is where we get into i guess some of the themes of this this film are you know batman's vigilantism as a subject as a debate um yeah. which is psychosis into that as well isn't yeah. it because i like the scene where even before the the action set piece where he's in the cave and he's he has the sort of vision yeah um, of the bat and then alfred's like Master Bruce, you've uh, you've shaved your mustache. Yeah, and he, and he, he like he he's he so on. Know, yeah, yeah, he's on such autopilot because he's he's the call of Batman and the the mindset of becoming that again mm. just takes over him, and he doesn't even realize what's going on. Yeah, he sort of looks into that cracked psychosis of Batman. Yeah, and I think this ties into something we've probably discussed in the podcast before: is that really Batman is Bruce Wayne's real persona identity yeah and bruce wayne his billionaire stuff is this is his face you know that he puts on but batman is inherently bruce wayne to the core so even in his 10 year absence he would have been thinking about it every day he'd have been thinking of everything from a batman approach you know he's he's bruce wayne playboy billionaire second right so yeah 
when he starts to come back into the world or that he left behind, you're right. All that psychosis kind of comes straight back to the top. And that is what drives him rather than, you know, anything else to the point where he doesn't really realize that he's doing it, I guess, yeah. until he's in, which is why obviously the opening sequence with the, the racing, you know, he's, he yes. wants that adrenaline. He wants that thrill that he doesn't yeah. get anymore, which is a great scene as well. And it just shows, yeah. you know, he's Batman first. You know, yeah. he's that daredevil kind of cra- <laughs> crazy guy for us. But when he does come back, obviously the the big question is: Should Batman be doing what he's doing? And then this is a, obviously it's a theme that recurs in a lot of the Batman properties we've seen, films, you know, shows, TV. Does is Batman actually part of the bigger problem, or does he actually, or is the problem smaller because of Batman? You know, it's yeah. one of those. It's an interesting theme that runs throughout this, and obviously you've got people on both sides. But what do we think? Do we think Batman is the problem or do we think there is a a, a, re, a, a point to what he's doing oh well i mean th- this is one of the first and Big i think questions. this is what, i know <laughs> this is the real question is batman good or bad i think this is one of the questions that say what you will about frank miller's later work this is sort of the story that is most recognized by for him um and I guess this this question is something that was kind of the first time it was really addressed mm. of whether or not Batman was the problem and is he not creating more of the nightmares and the issues that you see? Because I guess one thing that is always very reflective and one of the questions that a lot of the, the films seem to try and answer is, you know, light comes to challenge dark, but dark also rises to meet it. Yeah. And you know, for every counterpoint where you get a Batman, you then get a Riddler, you get a Joker, you get a Penguin, you get a Two-Face that come and answer that mm-hmm. qu- that uh, that call. And uh, what was it? It's John uh, Chris Nolan's Batman movies where he's like, well, you know, you came out of the woodwork, so so did we. So I guess, is Batman making a difference? Yes. But is he inspiring the criminals out there to go a little bit extra zany? 100%. Yeah, um, I, I guess it's it's a it's a double edged sword because he is making the little crimes more reactive and sort of second guessing themselves because there's that scene in the Batman where like the opening scene in Gotham, where yeah. you've got that criminal looking down the alleyway, which was one of my favorite scenes in that film, and he just runs away because he's exactly yeah yeah he's second guessing himself. So like the petty criminals, one hundred percent, but it it kind of seems like a call to action and, and call to challenge for the the bigger criminals out there yeah. to try and make a name for themselves. Yeah, I think Riddler, Joker, prime example, says the Riddler, his whole thing is being smarter than Batman. And if yeah. Batman's around, then the Riddler's always going to try and one-up him. And his whole point is to be smarter than Batman, whereas Joker, who is pure anarchy, let's be honest, he doesn't have a motive, really, for anything he does. But his the Batman kind of is, is definitely his reason for you know, staying on and, you know, yeah. just it's a game for him between yeah. him and Batman. And that, and and you, you as long as that in that, sorry, you go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying, as long as Batman's still in the game, Joker's going to want to play. And because he's, he finds it fun and he thinks they're two of a kind, you know, yeah, intertwined together. And Batman, while Joker might still be a threat, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say when Batman is also there exacerbating certain situations like that. Yeah, you know? but this this film kind of answers that as well in terms of the Joker. 
because whilst Batman's retired, the Joker just goes into a catatonic state and he's he's just left uh, bored in Arkham, like just totally zoned out, not not willing to participate, just Mm. total vegetable. And it's almost, I mean, part two we'll go into, but the end of the movie... You, like Batman's televised and it, it literally clicks that switch for the Joker. Yeah. When he's like, darling. And he's he, he he's back on board. You know, Joker's back in town. So I guess it really does answer a little bit that Batman is as big an influence on crime and villainy as he's an answer to it. Yeah, true. So I think, I think you're right. It's a double-edged sword. I guess it's kind of a trick question. Batman is both... A good influence and obviously a bad one. You know, he 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 de- he deals, I guess, with the the I guess the bigger problem of general crime in Gotham. Yeah. But the super criminals, as it were, they come out of the woodwork, like you say, dark rises to meet the light. But we love it. We love watching it. So you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. I yeah. mean, if, we, if, it, if they if they weren't, we wouldn't be watching. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's a it's, it's an interesting theme, and you're right. It does it does play a lot into part two, which we'll get into another time. But you're right. At the end of part one, we see Joker kind of switch back into into life because the Batman is back. So therefore, he has a reason to to do what he wants to do to live exactly so we have that we also i guess have the theme of you know aging passing the torch is a big theme in this obviously we've got um bruce is an older version of uh, bruce wayne batman 55 and then we obviously get introduced to um carrie kelly who takes up the mantle of robin because obviously after the death of jason todd which is the, I guess, the prelude to this whole story, yeah. Which caused him to go into, into retirement. Kerry Kelly, a, th- a young thirteen-year-old girl, basically takes up the mantle, and Bruce is very quick to accept her, which you know is very, <laughs> very a little dodgy, very irresponsible, very dodgy. And I go, yeah, sure, come with me to fight crime, young girl. Um, but yeah, well, Frank Frank Miller's always had a bit of a bee in his bonnet because he did Odd Star Batman where he adopts Dick Grayson and he treats him like absolute garbage. So Frank Miller's always had like a questionable relationship between Batman's relationship with Batman and Robin. Yeah. Um, It's always been a little dicey. And complete disregard for their safety as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, sure. And Alfred's like, are you sure she should be um, running around and like... (laughs) Shut up, Alfred. Sew her a cape. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But obviously it's... It's always nice to have a Robin in in the can, you know? So, um, and I think Carrie Kelly, uh, her burnout parents who are just awful people. (laughs) I mean, you never see them, but what you hear and what you, what you get from them is like, oh, terrible people, total burnouts. She obviously takes on the mantle of Robin in an effort to help fight crime as well. Um, part of that passing the torch kind of theme kind of, I guess, an acceptance of grief because obviously he's been grieving for 10 years, you know, Jason. So it's interesting in that sense. Um, seeing, seeing an older Bruce is obviously strange as well. So I don't know how you, how you thought about those kind of ideas about it, how you felt about, um, Ariel Winter from Modern Family's performance as, uh, Carrie Kelly, you know, um, some good voice acting in here, really good voice acting. Um, what do you think about her performance? I thought she was good. I mean, I've never really seen her because I've, I've watched Kate and I have watched religiously all of Modern Family and we really enjoyed that. And she was always Alex's character was yeah. always quite a fun character in there. She was kind of a counterpoint to all the craziness in her family. Yeah. And the surrounding family. 
but uh, she, I've never really seen her in much else other than that. Um, so it's kind of nice to see her stretch her legs um, doing something else, or, albeit voice acting. She is good. She's um, she really, I think, gives a kind of young enthusiasm to the role, yeah. which obviously it needs, but also a certain yeah. you know sincerity because it's like, well, are you just playing superhero, or do you actually have a reason to be doing yeah. this? You know, I mean, part part one standout actor for me is definitely Peter Weller as Batman. She, I think he, he brings it in Spades. I, you really get the to use the, the gravitas of his voice and i think he he's got quite a good dynamic change between the more it's, it's very subtle but there's definitely a difference between his bruce to when he becomes batman he's far more like stoic grittier um sort of just matter of fact as batman and then he's a little bit more he's a little softer more philosoph- philosophical as bruce wayne in the beginning yeah so i think he's got a really good dynamic there but I, I, every time he spoke, I was like, oh, man, this is a good substitute for Kevin Conroy. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. But I, I, I thought he was a real standout. He he carried the voice performances for me in this first part. Yeah, I, I, I did finish, but it's like, Robocop is playing Batman. This is really cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Peter Well is fantastic in this. And you, you're right, he gives a certain different vibe to Batman. Obviously, Kevin Conroy can go through all the gears he wants to and will always i guess be the the one you look at for this but peter weller is not a bad substitute at all and he really brings yeah like a different kind of feeling to bruce wayne a a bit more you know uh, i guess wizened yeah yes exactly and um something you don't see like and i've said it before you don't see a lot of in these batmans are always sort of younger more i guess capable i guess more physically in their prime you know and it's nice to see something like that to really kind of emphasize that you know he's a human being at the end of the day and he will get older batman is not uh frozen in time and sometimes i think we forget that um because obviously they churn out Batman actors like there's no tomorrow sometimes, <laughs> and uh, there and they they are all of the same kind of ilk and build and age and stuff. So it's nice to know that you know no Bruce Wayne Batman as a character is fallible is you know will age and will eventually not be able to carry it on. There, well, they they tried to take that inspiration in the Snyder Ben Affleck Batman. Yeah, and I think Ben Affleck brought a really good. Um, weight to that as well, but I think the problem was the films just just wanted to wanted to take that side of him and just make him the Punisher. Um, you know, he was just killing, dropping bodies left, right, and center, and it's like that. That was kind of the the lost message from the Dark Knight Returns because whilst Batman was like meaner, more violent, he still refused to kill. That was like the number one through line in both these parts is that he refused to kill. Um, so, you know, they took the inspiration, really twisted that and warped it from what it was. Um, so it was, it was nice to them sort of sticking to that in, in this adaptation and part two, where he, he's still sticking to his moral guns as Batman, um, so to speak. He's, he's not, even though he's coming back from a long time and things are possibly worse than they've ever been his timeline. Yeah, he's he stuck to his principles. He hasn't gone away for ten years and thought, you know, I need to, you know, the the world is different. I need to 
I need to take a different approach. Yeah, yeah he he sort of goes back to basics. Yeah, because because uh, you know you could you could read that you know is Bruce Wayne naive to think that guns he he can't just use guns he can't just kill people because yeah. obviously back to the Joker um, argument throughout the years like what everyone goes well why wouldn't Batman just kill Joker and it's like well why would he because you know once he does that. Is he is he just the same as all the things he's been fighting against for yeah. all this time? It's like once you cross that line, that's it, you're done. Um, but they did do that in the you know the Snyder verse where uh, Zack Snyder was like fans who were rebelling against that idea. He just told them to grow up, and I was like, well, no, you've yeah. missed the point of Batman there. And you know, it'd be like if you know, same with Superman. You know, they, that's not their point. That's not why they do what they do. And you know, it'd be very easy for Bruce Wayne and Batman just to like kill everyone they come in contact with. But yeah. then, that, <clears throat> what does that? What message does that send? Yeah, and you killing know? killing someone is it's a it's a massive thing. Like, I can't say I've ever killed anyone. Me neither. Uh, just yeah. to be, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's. It's a huge thing, and it, it's something I think like film and television, and even comic books to a degree, sort of take quite lightly. So I think just the concept of oh, he could just kill him. It's like yeah, but that's kind of what he's trying not to do. He's trying to preserve and save life yeah. lives. The whole thing is that he understands having lost both of his parents. Something that Bruce Wayne and Batman both recognize is the true value in life. Yeah, and. They want to preserve that, you know. Batman's first instinct, but in a, in a, not not necessarily this adaptation, but his first instinct in a lot of the adaptations is to help the criminals. You know, he beats the shit out of them, yeah. But then, you know, say like Scarecrow and Joker and things like that. After he's given them a significant beating, he's still like, you know, we want to see, we, we, we want to take you to Arkham. We want to find you help. We want yeah. to try and support you and give you help. And he does that in part one with Harvey. Um, yeah. You know, Harvey Dent in this, he goes through the operation to try and restore his face to being um, from Two-Face to Harvey Dent. And the process sort of breaks him. And he goes back on his sort of Two-Face persona spree. And the entire through line with uh, Bruce and Batman's sort of reaction to that is to, to, to beat him, take him down, but to then bring him back to helping him. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people miss is that he values life and he wants to try and help people. It's not just about killing them to stop them from making, to stop them committing crimes. That's not what Batman's about. Yeah, exactly. And I think if the whole subject of his vigilantism, the debate about that would be, would take a real skew in one direction if he started killing people, and you yeah. know, his his bat is Batman a, a, a good influence or not would definitely be hampered by the fact if he actually started just killing people outright. Um, and you're right, I think what he does for Harvey doesn't pan out, but I guess he the the point is to try because obviously, yeah. what 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 else is the point of living if you know if we can't try and help these people? You know, obviously Harvey gets out and then immediately goes back to or disappears and goes back to his ways but um i think bruce always has that in his head of going maybe this time i'll be able to reach them or help them or do something you know and he always does yeah. that um even with <clears throat> even with joker you know he always sometimes thinks like is this the time where i can get to him 
And, yeah. you know, obviously, for the years, um, we've had instances where we've had storylines where people have turned and been good. And then, you know, it, 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 does, ha- it does happen. But yeah, he does always find the value in life. And like you say, it comes from the tragic upbringing, uh, tragic circumstances he had when he was a child you know it's kind of inherent as to who batman is you know we've seen we've seen that scene time and time again i was going to bring up that scene actually obviously because every every batman movie has to have that scene yeah (laughs) all the pearls all the pearls but i really like the way it was done with the pearls intermixed with the blood dripping down into the water it was quite if you're going to do it make it look good at least because you know everyone we've all seen it dozens of times but little moments like that that are nice like i say the animation's really good i think the animation's really good across the board generally in part one um i really liked um towards the end the fight scene with the leader of the mutant gang in the in the mud i thought that was really well done it was great yeah and his tank in that scene was just epic yeah just so over the top it was just classic 80s comic book style and then you've got uh, Kerry Kelly was sliding down the, the side next to it, and it's just yeah. like on the rush. I was like, "Yeah, come on, let's go!" But obviously, he 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 loses the first fight, uh, yeah. bad, really badly. Um, yeah, and it's quite a resounding kicking. Yeah, and I guess it ties back into that things of Bruce isn't Bruce is getting on now, and yeah, he's missing he's a step, missing a step, and he's slowed down, and uh, he goes back, licks his wins, and realizes that. He's not as quick, he's not as strong, but he's still smarter than everyone else. And that's yeah. how he wins. Um, so I really like that whole kind of thought of Bruce isn't gonna use his toys, he isn't gonna use his gadgets, he's he's just he's just smarter because he is the world's greatest detective. He is a very intelligent person. And I don't think a lot of Batman properties lean on that a lot, which is what yeah. I, I really liked about the Batman film. Yeah. Was they leaned on the fact that he's a he's a detective first. Yeah, he's smart. He fights second. He yeah. figures things out first. Bruce will find a way to win that isn't, you know, just brute force, which is why he fits into the Justice League. When you think, well, why is he in the Justice League with people like Wonder Woman and Green Lantern? Yeah. And it's like, because he's the smartest of all of them. Yeah. Well, it, that, that that scene with the mutant leader is is great because it's, it is basically a, a dissection on a medical table because mm-hmm. it's, it's the way he even says, like, this isn't a fight arena. This is, this is an operating, is an operating table. table yeah. And he just surgically just demolishes him uh, that that is such a good scene and you're 100 percent right it really sort of brings like why batman is the best at what he does like the first time he went the he went with the sort of younger man approach of like just balls to the wall just trying to beat the hell out of him got overwhelmed came back to it and does exactly what ba- batman does preps and plans for it and then he kicks his ass yeah Exactly, exactly, and that's that's how Batman wins, you know, and that's yeah. how he that's how he learns from his mistakes. Learns from his mistakes, and you can see that. Um, and again, back to comics when they're showing his inner monologue of what he's going to do, why he's going to do it. He's going. The police will be here in eight minutes. I've got six minutes to do this. I've got two minutes to do that. He's so calculated in everything he does. Yeah, and I really like that they lent lent into that because. Yeah, he's big and strong, and he could beat up most people. But sometimes you're going to fight, like him fighting someone like Killer Croc, for example, is not going to fly because Killer Croc is just based on pure strength. I mean, yeah. you know, but he's smarter than Killer Croc, so he knows how to beat him. And that's, and I guess that's that's the kind of Batman I like to see. I like to see someone who shows that Batman isn't just a man in a cape; he is really good at what he does. 
yeah. genuinely really good at what he does. Um, and so for that, I, I've 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 got great love for this part one of this film. So the end of this one, we're looking at into leader part two. Gordon does retire. Obviously, Gordon is probably is Batman's biggest advocate, biggest ally in the canon, um, yeah. outside of his Bat family, that is. Yeah, he's um, kind of in the shield protecting him all these years. Exactly, and the reason that Batman's been able to operate as as long as he has been. Um, but obviously, Gordon, will, Gordon retires at the end of this one, and his replacement is very anti-Batman. Yeah. Um, obviously Ellen Yindel. Ellen Yindel. Now the Batman's back, the Joker is about, uh, has has roused himself out of his coma and is back and the mutants have become the sons of batman which i found hilarious which was great yeah. he's like we'll just switch sides now it's fine Dora. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but obviously they are more of a violent vigilante group which you know isn't the point i guess yeah. um so there's a lot of i guess doors open up at the very end of this because i feel like part one is kind of not narrow but it's kind of like this is this is who he's fighting and this is what he's this is yeah. the threat. Whereas I think in part two, um, obviously I've I've read the novel, so I'm aware of the storyline. I uh, haven't yeah. watched it yet, but I'm aware that this this basically just blows the world open. Yeah, in terms like, of what happens. What, one is that, like you say, the narrow through 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 follow through to get the Dark Knight to return, and then the second one is his return. It's all out conflict. Yeah. And the second one is the bombastic, explosive, um, action-packed, fueled section, whilst the first one's a little bit more thoughtful, while still very action-filled, um, a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more philosophical, um, with the questions being raised, and then Batman's sort of mindset and psyche looked at a little bit more, and then how he returns, and then the second one, like I said, is is the action piece. Yeah, and like you said, the part one does so well that it gives you the goodwill going into part two and the excitement yeah. and the you know the 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 wanting to know how this how this concludes. We will do part two uh, in a couple of weeks, but in terms of this film, what are your, some of your standout moments for me? I'm going to go with Don Slice and Dice purely because <laughs> I, I thought every time he said it, I just cracked up laughing. Um, you're right. It is very Frank Miller, that kind yeah. of, that kind of dialogue, that kind of moment. Yeah. But there, there's a lot of characters in that. Like my, my, I've always had, like I said before, sort of a mixed relationship when it comes to this, because I really like the story. Um, but I've never really been keen on Frank Miller's art style. And I know it kind of works well. And I, I like his designs, but I've never particularly liked his art. Now that's subjective. And I know it's in, it's in the eye of the beholder. But I, I think the animated film takes great cues from the direction of Frank Miller's art and amplifies it for me. And I think that that sort of carries a lot of the weight of this. But in terms of my favorite scenes... Ooh, I love the the mutant uh, leader fight. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, but I think what we were saying earlier is the 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 re- the actual return of Batman. So just that scene from him jumping off the rooftop and the lightning bolt catching him that iconic shot um, to then sort of beating those uh, gang members whilst the police chase is going on ahead. Those two really stand out for me. But then I, I, I do really like some of the quieter moments. So like I said, Bruce in the cave, having just shaved his mustache. Mm-hmm. There's there's a sort of dark, quiet isolation to that whole scene. 
and I, that that sort of stood out because I think that really sort of captures Batman's mindset in this. Yeah, where he's almost like the 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 ethereal presence of Batman is just completely taken over the human body. Yeah, and he doesn't even realize what's going on, and he's back without even knowing, like mm. making a conscious effort to come back. Yeah, I, yeah, a really good moment. I think, like we said, it kind of shows that. Um, it just overwhelms him and he doesn't even know it and he's just yeah. he's just back and then he's then he's really back and obviously we have the the return sequence which is great with the cop cars uh, the two cops sorry that we we discussed for me i really like there's a little moment where after he's defeated dent after the explosion and it's a very small one but it really speaks to dent's character where he thinks that so essentially his face has been restored completely. So his face is quote quote unquote normal. Um, But he, we find out that actually he considers himself completely disfigured now and that his disfigured half was the normal half. And uh, I just think it really speaks to a lot to Dent's character that you don't see a lot because it's always like good lawyer turned bad or good DA turned bad and that's it. Whereas you just realize there's a whole psychosis below Harvey Dent that we, we don't really get to explore a lot. I know um, yeah. the Dark Knight does a little bit of that and yeah. does an Aaron Eckhart's really good in that role, but I don't think it goes far enough. I think it's kind of thrown in, you know, um, as part yeah. of the Joker story. Um, I'm sure Ian has thoughts on it, <laughs> which we'll, <laughs> we'll get to at some point. But um, yeah, there's little moments like that, like you say, throughout the film that are peppered as well as some of the bigger set pieces that are just really good at keeping the flow up and down at a very nice even pace and really yeah. just makes the film sing throughout um but don's the best i'm gonna say it don is the best for slice and dice so you know <laughs> just he says it it's just it cracks me up slice and dice all right if we right we're gonna rate this film on the broadly yep. scale what are we going for broadly great broadly great yeah i'll broadly give it that great. broadly great sounds good um I think, yeah, it really does even well. Animation's great. It's, like I say, it's very theatrical for an animated film. It's very well cast. You know, Peter Weller is really, really good, which we can't, I know we keep saying, but it's quintessentially important for these kind yeah. of things. You know, if yeah. your main character isn't <laughs> that great, then the whole thing falls down. So, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Have you got anything else to add on that? Uh, I mean, I think, like I said, it's it's great to watch both of them um, together, parts one and parts two. So do yourself the favor and watch both, and then you're prepared for second part when we do it in a couple of weeks, like um, like Chris just said. But uh, I think even if you just watch part one, you'll get a great beginning, middle, and end to that particular story with a great opener for a, a sequel. Um, I, I think I think they do a really good job of splitting the story in two because sometimes you get these part ones and part twos and it feels like someone's just put a hatchet right through the middle yeah. because they've decided to edit it in such an awkward way. But I think they do this really well where both stories or both parts are the are, are kind of full stories. You can see them as their own little arcs. Mm-hmm. And I think they executed that really, really well. Yeah. Um, so do yourself a favor and watch both of them. Watch both of them. Yeah, 100%. Part one can definitely be seen as its own, I guess, standalone story, but these two definitely complement together as a 
one one big art. I think that's all the time we have uh, this week, Toby. So thank you for joining me. Really appreciate no it. Um, always here for Batman. Always here for Batman every time. Um, we will, of course, be back very soon for part two of this discussion in a couple of weeks. Um, we will be looking to talk about the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which yeah. we're very excited about. Very exciting film. Heard very good things about it so far, but nothing more exciting than the fact that both Ian and Simone will be back to join us for that as well. We're getting, wah, wah, wah. getting the gang back together. Um, Finally. So it's going to be an emotional episode in so many ways. Um, <laughs> so really looking forward to that. So we'll be back with Guardians and back with part two of this. So please look forward to that. Thank you, obviously, to all you wonderful listeners for listening and that tune in every week. We really, really, really appreciate it. And if you've enjoyed listening to this, whether it's your first time or you catch us every week, please recommend us to a friend, as Toby said last time. You know, we really yes. appreciate it if you could tell someone about us. Uh, we're always happy to have more people. Spread the phantom love. Spread the phantom love. <laughs> <laughs> please remember that you can listen to us talk about all kinds of nerdy things like uh obviously marvel which we'll be talking about soon dc clearly we've, we've done last of us uh episodes we talk a lot about star wars and not not enough in to- <laughs> not enough in toby's opinion but there's never enough time for star wars but um maybe we'll do some more video game based episodes coming up soon so there'll be lots to lots to enjoy so come and join us we're on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and soundcloud please come join us until then Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.